You found us. Welcome to the Holminster Podcast, a church in the centre of Hull. Your place to worship, enjoy, explore and to belong. If you'd like more information in how you can get involved, visit our website at www.hullminster.org. Great, so if anyone doesn't know me... (laughs) My name's Dan, um, and I'm the community minister here. It's great to be speaking on the final part of our, our series, um, this mini-series on the Servant King. So a couple of weeks ago, we were exploring humility, if you were with us. How can we grow in our kind of lives of being humble? How can we grow in the understanding of the cross we were exploring? And one of the things we were thinking about was what it looks like to avoid unhealthy comparisons. And then we were thinking about what it means to serve others who can do nothing in return for us. And then finally, a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking about celebrating God's blessing on others who are ministering in his name, other churches, other communities, other nations, other parts of the world where people are ministering in his name. So that was the first part of the series. And then last week was the kind of middle section, thinking about kingdom generosity, the fact that God gave first that in his son he's given to us, and that act of generosity being love in action. That generosity itself makes us more like Jesus. And we were thinking, weren't we, in the chapter previous to the one we just heard from, about the young rich man uh, and the wealth that, that is a challenge uh, to, to, to him. But, but, but more than that, the challenge about uh, discipleship, the need to follow Jesus, to be aware and even kind of concerned with the things that are, that are influencing Jesus. The things that are leading him on the way. We were thinking about him ultimately being on the way to the cross. That sacrificial, conquering death. So this week, the third part, we're thinking about kingdom authority. Which will tie into those themes of humility and the theme of generosity. And how Jesus is a servant in all of that. A king nonetheless, but and one who comes with authority and challenge. And you've probably guessed it a little bit, I'm beginning to struggle with my voice. Well, and that's pretty much only got myself to blame for that one. Uh, I went over to Liverpool yesterday uh, to watch Norwich City play against Everton. And uh, I was rather cheerful and uh, joyful uh, in uh, seeing the second and third ever away goals of Norwich City's campaign this season. Uh, and actually, they went on to win the match. So there was a lot of celebration. Uh, but the, <laughs> and in the midst of that, I think I'm struggling with my voice. So do, do forgive me for that. Um, but <laughs> indeed, a, a bit of milk. Is that what I need? Yeah. But one of the things that played a big part in the match, there was a quite a controversial match yesterday, was a whistle. Now, if you think about the, the stadium, there were about 39,000 people there, which is just, just, just slightly over the number of people that came through for the Sistine Chapel exhibition. And, uh, and not, no, yeah, yeah, about one noise, man, yeah, oh, a few hundred of us. Um, but I looked around and sort of saw the enormous crowd gathering. And then on the pitch, the, the players, and many of which are, are athletes, aren't they? They're athletic in their build. And they're, they're so committed to the job. And then there's a little referee running around in the middle of them all. 
and the little thing tucked inside his pocket that every now he pulled out and he'd blow this whistle. A tiny thing, but it just stopped the game. It stopped the atmosphere. It completely cut into it. And I want to leave that thought with you of the whistle as we explore authority tonight. As we think about kingdom authority, perhaps doesn't always look how you think it does. The power of the whistle. And I wonder, as we, as we start, who's in charge? Who's in charge of your lives tonight? Now, perhaps it's an obvious question. Maybe Jesus is in charge of your life and you declare that. Perhaps, as we explore this morning, uh, Sam McGill was exploring, there are influencers in our life. Influencers on social media, perhaps. Influencers on TV. He was exploring and questioning who influences you. What, sh- what role does culture have on our lives? Does the media inform you or have authority over you? Do social media applications and technology, do they connect you? Do they connect us together, as was their intention? Or are they actually limiting us? Are they controlling us, perhaps? Are your values rooted in the views of those who live around you? Are your values rooted in those who influence you? Or are you standing firm in your faith, if you have faith, in Jesus? Are you influencing others? Are you being influenced? Ultimately, does Jesus have authority in your life? Well, we've heard, as, as Tom shared, reading from Matthew, and there were a, a number of other readings in, in the Gospels of Jesus' authority. You've heard it was said, but I say he spoke with authority. He gave orders to evil spirits and they obeyed. He has authority, as we've heard, to forgive sins. When people question what it means to follow God, he was there saying, hello, I am God. I am God in person. I have come to fulfil my calling. In John 17, verse 2, we read that God granted Jesus authority over all people and that he might give eternal life. He has all authority. So as we arrive tonight at this passage in uh, the back end of Mark chapter 11, we're learning of a Jesus who didn't ask for permission. The day before he was in the temple and he went in to cleanse the temple. He didn't knock on the door and sort of say, can I, or you know, it wasn't in the door, he didn't, didn't get as far as the door, but you know, he, the temple courts and say, um, what time of the week will suit you? He didn't ask which day would be best. He didn't ask at all, he just did it, because he has all authority. And they hated him, they hated him for it. So tonight it's important to know this kind of the context of what had happened and what was going on in Jesus' life. This was the last week of his life on earth, the final week of his life. So he's teaching, he's teaching in the temple and it wasn't a synagogue or a church as we might imagine a temple to be. The chiefs, the the high priests, they they were the ones who were allowed in the temple itself. But Jesus was teaching outside. He was teaching in the courtyards, a huge space filled with thousands of people. 
And there would have been hundreds of people hearing what he said. And he said these words. So we pick up in verse 27 and 28. They arrived again in Jerusalem. And while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked. Who and and who gave you authority to do this? So straight away they're questioning him. What are your credentials? What kind of qualifications do you have? Who gave you permission to speak in the temple? In the surroundings of the temple, in the courts. And in response, Jesus said, if you can answer this question, then you'll have an answer to your question. Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. So it was Passover time. It was a big Jewish festival. As, as I said, hundreds of people were gathered, listening. And they, they hear this exchange. And they're afraid and they don't really want to answer. So in verse 33, they say this. They answer Jesus, we do not know. We don't know. And Jesus says, I'm not going to answer you then. Because you don't answer me. The issue here all surrounds the authority. The way Jesus spoke, he kept the authorities guessing. Again and again, the most important and powerful messages that Jesus brings in the Gospels are rarely in a kind of straightforward, accessible language. They often appear in a kind of teasing way. Questions to which Jesus' hearers, his disciples, his believers, and now what we're reading as Mark's readers, they have to kind of work out the right answer. That Jesus was anointed with the spirit and power at the time of John's baptism. John appointed him as the coming one. The one who would act with power and the voice at the baptism. Had declared that to Jesus himself, in words that we echo in the, in the Psalms, we read in the Psalms earlier, that he was the true king, God's own beloved son. So if the answer to that question is yes... Jesus does have authority in our lives. Then we've got to take it pretty seriously, this scripture. We've got to dwell on it. We've got to read it. We've got to ponder. That's what I've had to do this week. It's a tough passage to approach, but we have to ponder on it if we take these teachings seriously. It means that all of us, those of us who choose to follow him, we're all equipped with the same spirit that Jesus is being equipped with. That we are given the same authority. We have authority under his direction to act in his name in this world. It's a bit of a wow moment. We had a wow moment last week and it's that same revelation. The same authority under his direction. But you can sense that there would have been tension in the courtyard that afternoon, that morning, whenever it was, that day. But then importantly, Jesus moves from confrontation to illustration. It's really important. He, the, the, the parable he brings takes people from that kind of tension and confrontation to illustration. A parable, it's a, it's a story, an example. Something that many of them would have known. Harvest time. A time when the kind of lease agreement, the payments would be made. Whatever that be, whether in this case it was fruit 
from, of the vineyard were the crops, money, that exchange. And in this example, the disciples didn't need to go away and ask questions. As we heard last week, they would have, they would have gathered around, sat around. They would have often um, kind of needed a bit more explaining afterwards. This was something that they would have just got. Partly because he was referring and reusing a well-known theme from the prophet Isaiah. Something that we read in Isaiah chapter 5, 700 years ago. That great poem about God planting Israel like a vineyard. Watching over it. Hoping for good grapes, a good harvest. But ultimately discovering sour, wild grapes. The terrifying picture we read of in Isaiah 5 is one of judgment and the vineyard being broken down as a result of the people of God persistently rejecting the purpose for which God has called them. And what Jesus then does here, though, is he weaves in another message to the story, a message that God was waiting, waiting at a distance, addressing his people through prophets, longing for the time when Israel would at last obey his call to be the people he wanted them to be. God was sending someone, wasn't he? Sending a powerful person in his son. He was sending Jesus to us. It wasn't just a prophet. He was doing much more than the job of a prophet. It was his beloved son. And now in the final week of his life, as Jesus knew would happen, Israel's highest authorities, the chief priests, the ones who were allowed into the temple, they were then going to reject him and ultimately, as we know, kill him. And at this point in the parable, often a parable has a happy ending, doesn't it? Often a parable has a, has a good message. But this one doesn't. The vineyard tenants, that that. They've overreached themselves. And Jesus' actions in the temple acted as a warning. But the warning was not listened to. So instead of that kind of happy ending, the, 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 the happy explanation that we might expect, and particularly in our world, we come to expect that there's always good news right around the corner. Instead, Jesus quotes scripture from Psalm 118. Let's read verses 10 and 11 on the screen. Haven't you heard this? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. It's in, it's in Mark. <laughs> so it's in Mark chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. You know, at the very summit of an arch is this kind of cornerstone. It doesn't fit in any other part of the building. But it's the key in the structure. And that's the image of Jesus tonight. You know what Jesus has come to do? What Jesus has come to be? He may be rejected by builders. 
people who have their own interests in mind. Maybe rejected, as we heard last week, by the greed and selfish desire of people. Those who are seeking power and influence. But actually, that's okay. Because we're called to be faithful to the true king. We're called to him, not to those other kings. Not to the other things in our culture that are trying to satisfy us, that are trying to cling on to us. As we've been discovering these past few weeks, we're called to speak and act with humility. To love and serve generously. To live and act in new ways. Ways that challenge our culture. Ways that might need to be explained to be understood. And that's exactly the point. That is the challenge, is to communicate this message in a way that people can understand it. That we're called to have a mission in our world, but also in our city, in the lives of our families, those who don't know Jesus. We have the authority of the Spirit of God living within us. Those in our workplaces, those we live alongside. Because yes, God planted Israel as a vineyard. But more than that, our creator God is calling us to be fruitful gardeners of the world that we're in right now. That's the challenge, that's the invitation. This idea of kind of living under kingdom authority, it doesn't guarantee anything easy. There's not going to be an easy, easy life guaranteed. But where the spirit of Jesus has come to live, it brings with it a promise to us. And God's promises remain that when builders reject a stone, sometimes that is because it was designed to be the cornerstone. And we think back to that whistle, the power of it, the influence of that small whistle. You know, some of us, I know, because I chat to all of us, you know, at, at points, we feel ill-equipped, we feel unable, we, we don't feel that we have the strength and the power and the authority of Jesus. But we can invite the Spirit of God to be within us, to be going before us, to equip us for this journey. Because there are opportunities for us to blow that whistle, to call upon his name, to step forward, to take charge. To have authority in the name of Jesus. So I wonder where the temples are. Where are the temples that need to be challenged and warned? In who are we putting our trust and our faith? Some of us will have situations and kind of battles or emotional battles or physical battles that we're going through. Perhaps very dark places in our lives, parts of our lives. Where we do just, we've, we've never done it, but we simply need to call on his name. He's a friend. Yes, he's a king. Yes, he comes with authority, but he's a friend and saviour. We just need to call on the name of Jesus. We've sung about it earlier. Who else can we fear if we call on his name? He speaks life. He speaks hope. He speaks truth into circumstances. We can call on kingdom authority who's greater the work of the evil one in our lives. In a minute, Tom and I are going to leave a a kind of time of response, of prayerful response, thinking through this theme of who is in charge, who's really anchoring us in our lives. I heard a great, overheard a conversation earlier about 
whether we need to be um, to, to be growing in our faith. Do we need to belong to the church? Do we need to be coming to worship, or can we do it in our own in our own ways? And I think it's a message of both, isn't it? We come together as a body, united together. We can pray together. We can pray into these things, and enriched and empowered, we go out into our lives, into our Monday mornings, knowing we have the authority of Jesus over our lives. It's an amazing invitation, but I think sometimes we, we get so caught up in our, our, our own desires, our own wills, our own actions, that we forget, actually, that we need to make that daily commitment to Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and have authority over me. And Why? Because we're called to be faithful to the true king. We're called to speak and act with humility, to love and serve generously, and to live and act under kingdom authority. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to one of our sermons. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then follow us on social media or visit our website www.holminster.org.